We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Jack Ramsey's, Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. Helps when I turn on my microphone. Oh, it's a mailbag edition. We got Thank questions you. all over the place. Uh, I think there's like 40-something here, so we'll Ooh. dive into a ton of those. Uh, we have technically three preseason games in the books. Um, two uh, against actual, no doubt, NBA teams, so that's super useful. Um I guess we'll just kind of dive right into it because we have so many stinking questions. Yeah, let's get um, to it. Let me go real quick. And... and there we go. So, game number three gets the Utah Jazz. Initial takeaways, good sir. Uh... I liked the way they kind of spread around the offense a little bit, especially starting the game. We got some interesting looks out of sets. Uh, and I, I saw a little bit of this in the Phoenix game. Obviously, didn't see anything for the Breakers game. Uh, but just like, it's just different little things. Ways to create ball movement, I think. Player movement. They had a set. I want to say it was late first quarter. Danny, where Scoot gets the ball kind of on the on the wing in a post-up position. He He kind of dribbles. He dribbles out. He kicks out. That leads to a secondary kick out. Boom, there's Ant wide open, knocks down a three. I think it's just uh, ways to tweak or work the offense to see what you get out of different looks. And I like that they were kind of putting Scoot down low. They were mixing that up a little bit. Ant playing the pick and pop game. Uh, Shaden was aggressive in his 29 minutes in terms of like production. I, I don't know, it's little mm-hmm. things like that that I was kind of obviously we'll get to Tamani. I saw a lot of Tamani questions in uh, that. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I just like that they were doing some little things offensively to create and generate, you know, open looks in offense. Yeah, no, it was, um, you know, you, you get into that, that Jazz game following the Suns game, and, and there's something that stands out right away in that uh, points will be scored by all involved. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I don't want to throw this out there just yet of like where the Blazers are going to fish as a defensive team. But bottom five's a safe bet. (laughs) It's it's a safe bet. Um, Well, I did the, uh, the, the 
watch party for the Jack Ramsey's Plus members on the Patreon uh, earlier this afternoon. We went, spent about an hour and 20 minutes going through the tape today. Um, and this is going to be a team that it's going to be very interesting to watch just how many possessions they get a game because they're going to play they're going to play fast whether yeah. that's pulling the ball out from the rim after their opponent gets it or they get a, a turnover or a rebound but f- trying to find where that's that sweet spot is of like let's have 112 possessions bad idea <laughs> let's have 97 possessions maybe a few more like trying to see where that ends up is going to be super interesting because on the nights when they're hitting shots, you're going to be like, man, this team is fun. Man, they can put the ball in the basket. Man, they get up and down. When they're not hitting shots, you're going to go, oh, my God, how are they losing by 30 in the end of the third (laughs) quarter? Because so far, like, this is is what the Jazz scored in their – by quarter. 40, 35, 36, 27. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's go to the uh, Suns game. 37-39, and then throw it out because everybody went out. But but it went 15-31. But, like, so, like, the starters against the starters, they've given up 37-39-40-35. Yeah. (laughs) The lowest scoring quarter that they have put out or opponent has put on them is 35. Okay. The thing about this is it doesn't bother me because, again, this is going to be like process, you know, all that kind of thing. This isn't the Blazers of the last couple of years where you're like, oh, they suck so bad on defense. Like, why can't they? Like, I'm going in with my brain being totally set to they're not good on defense. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and but you can't like, be surprised by it. Yeah. yeah, no, Because it's, right. they're not supposed to be like, like, well. The pushback is, well, DeAndre Ayton's, you know, he anchored a, a finals defense. I'm like, okay, cool. And Jeremy Grant's a good defender. It's like, okay, cool. And it's like, Matisse Tybel's a, a defensive playmaker. It's like, okay, cool. But like, yeah. the head of that snake is 19 years old. And then you've got Ant in front of that too. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to put those guys together. And the second Jeremy D.A. Tease leave the floor. Your 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 entire defense is now predicated and built around uh, Brogdon and, and Time Lord. That's the, beyond that. You're like, all right, cool. You're working in a night or twenty year old Shaden Sharp, twenty one year old Jabari Walker, twenty three year old Tamani Kamara. Like, even as much as even as much as I I believe in guys. Like, I believe Jabari Walker is going to have like defensive chops. And I believe Tamani uh, Kamaro is going to get real minutes and um, do stuff. They're, they're 21 and 23. Like they haven't seen it all. Like over the course of a game, you're just going to get beat mm-hmm. and it's okay. And when you've got seven guys where that's the case, you just can't cover that up. You can't paper over that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I think, Defensively, you're 100% accurate. I mean, you're not just obviously because you know numbers, but I, you can just see it. I, I, I don't know. I, you saw it in the Phoenix game. I think you saw it in this Utah game. I think you can see it 
when they play Phoenix again tomorrow, which, by the way, that's going to be on Fox 12 Plus, and you should support it because there's some stuff going on behind the scenes a couple years out, but that's not here nor there. I think the important thing that you hit on here was obviously the defense sucked. Walker, or not Walker Kessler, uh, Laurie goes off, right, has a good game. Um, to me, it's, it's what Chauncey highlighted that you kind of mentioned. It's the possession count. Chauncey really liked their tempo last night, and he really mm-hmm. liked the amount of possessions. It was one of the things that he, I think, kind of latched on to to talk about in the postgame was he just liked how many more looks that their tempo had created, how they were more urgent with it. Now They had 102 shots last night. Right. I don't know if the perfect number for them is 104, 105, if it's exactly what they had. But I just noted because there's not all that many positive things to have when you play that poorly defensively and get blown out again. It was one of the things he kind of noted in the postgame was he liked how many looks they gave themselves. So that at least I think was the positive of whatever you think Chauncey is. And I, I there is a Chauncey question or questions in this, and I kind of want to I want to combine them and throw one at you from my angle here, but I think you're just looking for the positives or the things that play out the coach is talking about. And and that's, that's kind of what I'm keeping my eye on this year in terms of him. Um, This is an overarching theme that I I feel like we need to kind of like just address. (laughs) This was Sean, John PDX. Will Blazers fans be able to weather the storm of the rebuild and stay hopeful, faithful? I personally am like trying my best to try to get you guys to shift your brains because I don't think you're ready for this. <laughs> I genuinely don't. Um, I, I don't think that a lot of things like just, just, this is just from the stuff that gets sent to me. I don't think you guys are ready for like what this 82 game season is going to be. And I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan. I'm just, I want people to enjoy this as much as they can. Like, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am to cover this team. That's not fake. You I mean, you know this, Brandon. Like, I have been, I have wanted to cover something like this for a long time. Where it's like, all right, let's reset all expectations for stuff. And... Mm-hmm roll the ball out and see what really happens. Let's let's have an evaluation year. Truly like an evaluation year of like okay, let's let's get weird. Let's experiment with some stuff. Let's new foundations. Let's go guys try stuff. With that comes a lot of bad basketball, but a lot of really fun, interesting, thought-provoking developments. And it is a entirely different way to watch the game as opposed to being invested night in, night out to where you are in the standings and the impact of every game, even in the 82-game season, being so meaningful. You know? I think I think what's going to be hard for some, not all, I, I think it's, I mean, it's this is probably this way in a lot of fandoms, right? It's, when you get to this point of a franchise where it's pretty evident where what you are or what you're trying to do, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like most people can read this accurately, and I think there's going to be a fair amount of Blazer fans that tell you, like, oh, yeah, go Blazers, and oh, yeah, I'm going to the random Toronto game on Wednesday, and oh, yeah, I've caught, like, 15 games, but also mm-hmm. I've missed 33 of them. I just mm-hmm. don't, oh, we're going to play this team, and we've lost eight in a row. I don't really need to watch that game. Like, 
I think there's going to be a lot of those people, a lot, a lot more in my life than the than the people that are a little more like you, absolute sickos because they love <laughs> basketball. But in, in in all in all honesty, they they find it. We we would hear from these people last year. Mm-hmm. These people we would hear from Blazer fans last year. <laughs> these degenerates. Yeah, well, but they would randomly tweet you and me in a game that I, I wasn't even paying attention to. They'd be like, man, Skylar Mays in that second quarter stretch. And I'm like, those... It's those real are, sicko behavior time. That, that's yeah, that's those, what this those, is. Those are orangutans, yes. okay? And they do exist. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of Blazer fans are going to have a realistic view. And I think the fringe few that have these overblown expectations or looking at DeAndre Ayton and say, why isn't he doing more? And you're like, well, he's averaging 18 and 15. I don't know what you want him to do. I think those are going to be the people you hear from, but I don't think they're, they're going to be a representative measure of the fan expectations and what people think about this coming season. I always have to remember, like, social media is not real life. Social media is yes. not real life. Social media is have not to real tell life. Yourself that. Yes. But also when I'm getting inundated of, like, and not even, like, sarcastic. Like, look, the Blazers are going to win a championship as, as a meme is always fun. Right? Like, that, but the, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I, I, I'm on, I'm on the, the, the Reddit threads and, like, They've got this guy, they've got this guy, they've got this guy, and I I can see them winning 40 games. And I'm just like I, I just I just never my my brain can't be that optimistic. Shout out Rip City Reddits, by the way. I, it's, I don't it's have fantastic. An, I have an account, but I've never participated, but I love to read them. Oh yeah, no. I I have lurked there and and read stuff and like the memes are great. Um there's a guy there that grabs like a clip for everything. Shout out that guy. Um yeah. but it's like there's like in earnest, yeah, they're a playoff team. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> hey, I I know, Danny, I'm just going to say this because we have a lot of questions. I know those people because my brother-in-law is one. I call him <laughs> Jeremy Bells. They're diehard fans who are always going to be there. They're always going to watch. They're always going to support. And they always have a true belief, which I love. It's what makes this city so passionate and fired up about its team. Do I always agree with it? Uh, no, my brother-in-law would try to tell you I chuckle more than I agree with him on some of the takes, but I just love that you do have fans that go, I don't know, man, we've got a five, we've got a four, yep. ants coming back. Like they start doing the, the roster math in their head and like, I don't know, you comp it with this team and that team. And look, it's a little, uh, uh, op- optimistic view, I guess is what I would say about it that I don't necessarily subscribe to, but. Some people just always believe, and I, I love that about. Sports. Hey, look, man, I, I don't see any water in the glass sometimes, and other people see a full glass with stuff, and it's just you know that's just how it goes. Um, I thought this was an interesting question. This is from Ozguy underscore Blazers, uh, Aussie Blazer. Uh, considering the count is already at two years out of the playoffs, if the over under was five and a half total years before the playoffs, what would you take? Sorry, so the question is basically it's already been two, already years. Been two years. So it, like is. Three and a half years. Are you taking the over or the under in three and a half years before they're back to the playoffs? I will. I actually think that's I, a really. I think I actually think that's a very good. Line. So, uh, so playing doesn't count, right? We're sure, not no, 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 it counts. I mean, it's playoffs. It, te- it technically is. I think that they could in three years' time. You do need certain things to go a certain way. I think they're going to value the rookie scale contracts that Joe loves to say in press conferences. But also understand the development of certain players can get to a certain point 
they can flirt with being a 10 seed, a nine seed. Because if you also examine the West, like the Lakers could lose LeBron. The mm -hmm. Lakers are just going to come back at some point and be the Lakers. Dallas, I don't know about that. I don't trust um, that team at all right now. That's, look, that's right now, it, let alone three years from now. It's my team of the West this year that I think is going to make the most noise in terms of people like talking and paying attention to them mm -hmm. finally. But in three years' time, it's a long time. I don't know about Oklahoma City. I don't know about Memphis. I don't know about the Clippers. I mean, you could start going through this. Even the Warriors. Hell, the Warriors in three I mean, years' the time. The Warriors, Clippers, Lakers are all probably going to age out in three years. That, that is a long time in this league, man. We always think these teams are going to be around for a decade. They never are. Three years ago, this Blazers franchise was in the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I will, I'll take the under of three and a half. I think in three years' time, they could be a 9-10 seed and, and start to show people that they're becoming something. I think they bump up even more. I think it's going to be a good year for Scoot this year. I think by year three, if he's the guy I think that he is, uh -huh. I think that this that the team makes a pretty serious leap and they're like a 6-7 seed. Like I think they're like firmly, like, oh, no, they're a playoff team, that, that kind of team. Um, it's it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. And there you go, Brady. In the chat says they win 38 or more this year. That's 12 more games than I think they're winning. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet the under the 28 and a half. I just think <laughs> certain things are going to happen that aren't being talked about right now. And then, like, it's the youth part. So, I again, I love the optimism. And maybe, Danny, maybe we'll be at a point in January where we're like, yo, this team. But I personally, and I don't think you can. It's gonna, I don't think it's going to take me an awful lot for that meter to move for me. It's going to take like a twelve-game winning streak. Then maybe I'll go. Okay, this Dude, team. You cannot get on. You cannot, in good conscience, get on this podcast <laughs> and have all these horny Blazer fans be like, "Oh, thirty-eight wins, baby!" And you're just coming out here, Debbie Downer. You have no sexual drive about this situation. You're like. Wake me when we're four playing. You can't have that mindset. You got to be aggressive, man. Look, man, I, I, I'm 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 cool with dead fishing this thing for six months. All right, <laughs> it is what it is. I was gonna say a really inappropriate joke my uncle told me about that, but I'm not gonna do that. I'll yeah, we'll say that for later. Yeah. Um, at Julio Cantu, at all good. Will Anthony continue to be slept on when he's a top ten scorer in the league this season? You know what? Let me pull this up. I want to see who, where, where, what, how many total points was top 10 last year. All right. 10th was Donovan Mitchell at 28.3. It's a little high. Boy, 28 was 10th. What a season of scoring output. Yeah, 33, 32, 32, yeah. 31, 31, 30, 29, 29, 28. Yeah. And the funny thing is, let's go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. No, 5. So, wait. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Okay, yeah. Like, anyway, which team are they on again? Um, pretty even distribution between East and West. Like yeah. It's just, it's just scoring everywhere. Um, 20th was Deer and Fox at 25 a game. I think Ant can, can get in there. I think he can even get Zion finished. You know, games played, he didn't make it because, you know, yeah. Zion. But Zion 16. was at 26. Jaws yeah. at 26.2. Trey at 26.2. I think his absolute ceiling this year is probably top 15. 
Like I I've said it before. I think I I genuinely believe Ant puts up 26 and 5, 26 and 6 this year. Mm-hmm. Like I I think he's going to score a lot of points. Um but that like top 10 scoring is oof. That's that's elite 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 category. Like those are offensive engines that I mean, here's your names. Embiid, Luka, Dame, Shea, Giannis, Tatum, Curry, KD, Braun, yeah. Mitchell, Booker, Kyrie, and then you get into Jalen Trey. Jalen Trey. Yeah. So, like, that's I think the Kyrie Trey category, like Jaw, that's where you put Ant. That if you're throwing the dart, like that's where he lands. Yeah, I I think if you were to go through this right, uh, so Dame. I'd imagine Dame's going to fall off from that number given who he's playing with. Uh, I'm looking at kind of KD and wondering with that roster now with Beal, you know, how much more do you share the ball? Yeah, and Mm -hmm. how much does he maybe take kind of a natural age step back? LeBron, another one that's obvious that I'd point to there at ninth. But but it overall goes to the totals of what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. right? So if 10th is 28-3, Ant was around 21 last year. Seven I, points, and especially it's not just seven points. It's yeah. seven points from like twenty-two to twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Like that jump is the hardest jump in basketball. Yeah, well, and I, I think I kind of unfortunately I was going through this as you were talking about it, and I I think overall like he also averaged seventeen shots a game. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about seven to eight point leap. I, I mean, how many the, more shots is he going to take this year? That's certainly something he's going to average count. over twenty shots a game. The, yep. the differentiator will be free throws. Can he get to the line? Because he's sure. been incredibly poor at getting to the line. If he can get to the line, then you're you're talking about over 25 a game. Yeah, last year he was at – oh, he was at 2-6 last year. Yeah. Or no, 2-9, excuse me, 2-9, so almost 3 a game. And that was something that we had eyed and we talked about when CJ was here and then left was didn't get to the free throw line enough. And so that's certainly something that Ant can improve mm-hmm. upon. I do think top 10 is too much, though. Uh, I can't go quite that high. I, I honestly would label it exactly where you had. I was seeing Zion at 16, AD at 17. Mm-hmm. If Ant's at Lowry, Markinen, for example, at 18, but it's 25.6, that's still a damn good year. I would good imagine. year. If Ant finishes the top 20 score, you're going to be – people are going to start the, well, you know, he's a dark horse all-star candidate. And, you know, we're going to go down that path, and it's going to go, uh, it's like, it's when when you're you know 14th in the west you, you don't yeah, you're love. not getting a lot of attention <laughs> yeah but they're like is no it'll be the is he an empty calorie does he impact winning like that that good that numbers, stuff is bad like a bad, what is it bad, good, good numbers, numbers bad bad what is it bad uh good, good stats, stats bad team bad team yeah, yeah that one the uh the Zach Levine Devin Booker Bradley Beal Kevin Love Minnesota yeah yeah yeah. Remind me when they've all changed teams, with the exception of Levine. Well, I guess Levine did change teams and then continued to be good. So yeah, Levine's um, been pretty good. Yeah, um, Slater J Smith, just talk about Tumani. It's all I want. I don't even know what questions to ask. I'm just excited. <laughs> <laughs> when you hit three or four threes and you get chased down block off the backboard, people are going to want to talk about you. He came out of nowhere and two handed that thing. That was um, impressive. He so Tumani at the combine. <clears throat> Uh, measured six seven barefoot and had a eight foot eleven standing reach. Wow! So he's and he weighed two hundred and twenty pounds. I would say he's probably because you typically guys lean out for that. 
because they're just going, 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 combine workouts, all that kind of stuff. Sure. I would say Tumani's probably like a 225 guy because he's he's pretty solid, man. <clears throat> uh, talking to him in the locker room the other day, I was like, I was like, yeah, you're 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 pretty built, like you're you're solid. Um, not quite as big as Nasir was, like barrel chested, but he's a solid kid, man. I say kid, he's 23. Um, <clears throat> I wrote uh, on my Patreon last night about Tamani. Can he can he make the opening night rotation? So the way that I have this, let me pull it up here real quick. So the way that I have this is your eight-man rotation as it stands right now. Your starters. Scoot, Ant, Tease, Jeremy, DA. That's five, okay? Mm-hmm. Malcolm, Shaden, Time Lord. That's eight. That's your eight-man rotation. Jabari has the, the foot up on everyone else because he's one of the few guys that has been here. But also, he is a team need guy in that he's a plus rebounder. Tamani's yeah. a solid rebounder. I was look. I was going through his college stats. Uh, he had a twenty three percent defensive rebound rate, which is mwah, for like a wingy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. The thing about him is, I've seen some people say like, "Well, they, maybe you should put him at the three to give Blazers real size. It's bigger than Tease." Tamani is very athletic and he's very bendy. Like he, I hate the conversation. The, the comparison i'm about to make like I, this is just such an, a wildly irresponsible <laughs> comparison oh but, let it fly let it fly but the number he wears oh in scotty pippen he does move like a guy built like him he's he's not like fluid and and active for his size he's just very fluid and active regardless of size like typically when you're like six seven six eight you're like, man, that guy, like, like a Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, like, man, that guy really moves um, super athletic for his size. You know what I mean? And those yeah. guys do. You watch Tamani move, and you you think he, he moves more like a guy who's 6'4". Like, the, the way he's able to kind of tr- tr- flip his hips and navigate screens, that, that chase down block he had last night, he comes out of nowhere and gets both arms above the rim. It just swats it, and it was like, where did he come from? His closing speed was incredible. Um, the the thing that I really like about him is his fluidity, like his a bit like when he changes direction, you you know when you see a <clears throat> a, a big DB with really you know let's shout out Andrew Nemec here who's got those really oily hips that just you just change direction f- flawlessly. You don't need Charles to. Gardner. Yeah. Yes, you don't yeah. need to load and take that little pitter pat chop. He just flips, and there's there's something about him. When I was watching him, just go up and down the floor the other night, and I was like, I just watched him, and I was like, man, that's he just kind of covers stuff. And there's there's something there. I am not saying he's going to have a Scottie Pippen defensive impact um, or, or or anything along those lines, but I will say this: he's a heady player. He's smart. He's in the right spots. Chauncey is going to um, have a very, very, very hard time keeping him off the floor. He's already been raving about him behind the scenes. He's already mm-hmm. raved about him publicly. And remember how much Chauncey relied on Josh Hart? Like, too much? 
Remember how he played Tony Snell in, in his mm-hmm. rookie coaching year, even though Tony Snell put up zeros across the box score regularly? Guys with size, athleticism, know-how, and being in the right place at the right time, that's not a Chauncey Billups thing. That's an NBA head coach thing. Welcome to coaching. <laughs> Guys that you trust to just not F it up. Yeah. And Tabani doesn't F it up, and he has size, and he has strength, and he and he has a give-a-shit factor. So all of those things are going to give him a real opportunity to get on the floor. It's a, it's a matter of, like, can he be a plus rebounder or – can they get him some minutes at the three? The hangup with that is, is obviously with Brogdon, it's going to push Shaden to the three. That's where he's going to get most of his minutes. But if they make a move with Brogdon and Shaden can slide back to the two to get more of his minutes, then maybe you can try something there. But I think there's going to be a real battle um, for that ninth man between Jabari and, and Tamani as far as throughout the season. When I also think the season itself is going to warrant, like, you you, you kind of have to play him, right? Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you have this kind of season and you know the expectations are, you know, pretty pretty down there in terms of the win-loss? The Vegas number is pretty low. How do we not play him? I, I think you talked to the – you opened the pod with Blazer fan understanding expectation, mm-hmm. okay? I don't know about you. I liked watching Tomani do that. Check the tape. I was all in on the trade of that part because I watched an S ton of highlights once I saw that we had gotten Tamani mm-hmm. Kamara and what he was able to do. In Played his really career. well at Summer League with the Suns. Yep, absolutely. And I was really hyped for it. I was excited to see it last night because I think you're always, well, last night, this morning, I was excited to see it um, just to kind of get an impact from him because mm-hmm. I think what you're doing now is you're you're doing what, Danny? You're building and acquiring as many assets as you possibly yep, can. You're, you're throwing stuff at the wall to go, Let's see if this works. Exactly. And so what I think is I'm not going to go way over my skis and and do to Tamani what you just did to him. But what I would say is <laughs> he, he I'm just I was using it as an example of a guy who moves very well for his size. And I know how irresponsible just, was. Yeah, but you could have just said a mod sauce gardener and gone a different sport. And nobody been like, come on, he's not playing like sauce. Like they wouldn't have done it. And now yeah. you've been like, well, he's Scotty Pippen yeah. Jr. And it's like, whoa. But we need we do need to do a couple of things here. I should have said Scotty Pippen Jr. because Scotty Pippen Jr. is like six one and you know not that yeah. athletic. <laughs> but I, I see this is where I think people are going to get uh, not confused but maybe feel differently than you is your genuine excitement for the process of building and developing. Mm-hmm. I think is going to come across so strongly that when somebody isn't producing like Scotty Pippen, somebody's going to go, Danny Morant, call this guy Scotty Pippen all <laughs> night last night on the pod, and he got a 3-2. and two. That was his yeah. stat line, 3-2. and two. Mm-hmm. And so my only thing is not Played to Played seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just to say, like, I think Tomani is a good story. I think he's showing some real promise. I love hearing you say that Chauncey's digging him and, like, behind the scenes trying to, like, keep it together and not force the issue or talk too much about it. But I, I, I also like not going to be shocked if his minutes aren't very high and his stat line isn't wowing. It's just does he take advantage of the moments when he gets them in the games? Mm-hmm. And at least for last night, he absolutely did on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Yeah, in the chat somebody said Kevin O'Connor said he's he's like Tory Craig, and I think that's that's a, like it's a guy who was I, a playoff yeah. contributor for an NBA Finals team. Like yes, yeah, cool. <laughs> 
They're currently in the process, Danny. I don't know if you know this. They're currently as an organization in the process of trying to find a bunch of Tory Craigs along mm-hmm. with their superstar players that they hope will blossom. That's part of what I wrote about in the uh, on the Patreon. I guess if you want to go read it, uh, go pay for it. <laughs> I'm giving you too much here. <laughs> but um was like, yes, it's about Ant. It's about Scoot. It's about Shaden. It's about rehabbing DA. Like all those things are, are those are the big picture things. Mm-hmm. But you know what else they need to find? They need to find their Bruce Browns. That they yes. need, they they need like they need a second round guy to hit. They need a guy who they they pick up off the scrap heap on a on a redraft to like find new life. That is how you build a team. Gary Trent Jr. Go find another one of those. Y- yes, you need to find those. Like like I busted Neil's balls for all the things that he got wrong. Those guys crushed the second round. Pat Connaughton was an impact player on NBA Finals championship team. Yes, he was. Gary Trent Jr. is a very good player. <laughs> like who got who got what? A massive a contract. A massive next deal and he's going to get drafted. one more. Like yeah. Like those are like being able to do that is impressive. Like that's that they 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 did a good job of that. I'm never going to crush them for like not getting those right. So if they can go yeah. take a 52nd pick, and I've had some people ask, well, why why did Tumani fall? I'm like, well, he played at Dayton, number one. Like it's it's a good program. Shout out Jim Paxson. Um but like Dayton doesn't produce like a ton of NBA players. Like it's a fair amount. Most recently uh, Obi Toppin. Mm-hmm. But um he's a four year guy, so typically organizations look at that like, well, like how much more development? Like how many more steps do they have? Like, is it there? There's um, typically less upside. Think about it this way: he's two years older than Jabari. Like I was oh, looking, wow. I, look, I was looking at their birthdays. Like Jabari's is June, and Tamani's is May, I believe. And so, like, he's quite literally two years older than Jabari. So that's a lot more basketball. Like so, if if Tamani looks like he's a little bit more under control and making decisions better, yeah, he should. And yeah. even even though even though Jabari has a year of NBA basketball, Tamani was a guy like in the Atlantic Ten, like playing real legitimate competitive basketball where he was impactful. Yeah. Um. Again, I my my projections for Tamani aren't Scottie Pippen. It's like, can he is he a role player? And if he's a role player, like is he a very good role player? Is he a guy who's a fringe starter? Is he a, like a Matisse Thibel? Like he's a part-time starter? Like those are the kind of questions that you have for guys coming into this season when you're looking at the roster and you're like, Chris Murray, is he a guy who he's going to be a little bit of a late developer because he was a late developer in college? You know, so those are the things that I, I think I really want to watch with that. Um, this from Big Swoopa, at Big Swoopa. Do you think Jeremy Grant will try to bump up his numbers and increase his trade value at the cost of team chemistry with bad shots and more ISO play? Is this also something the Blazers would be all for if they do, in fact, want to trade him in the near future? Thanks, go Blazers. I don't think you're going to see anything like that because Jeremy Grant is who Jeremy Grant is. He is a two-way dude who is all vibes, who mm-hmm. is a plus catch-and-shoot three-point shooter who likes to work in the pinch post and can take advantage of mid-range pull-ups. Jeremy was frying the Jazz last night in the mid-range. <laughs> like, yeah. he was just absolutely cooking. I was like, I said this during the watch party last night, the Blazers might be second in the NBA in mid-range shots to the Suns this year. 
Um, just because, number one, they don't have a ton of shooting and teams are going to sag off and they're going to try to take away the paint because that's where the Blazers are going to try to get to. But you also have Ant and Shaden and Brogdon and DA and Jeremy, who are guys who take a crap ton of mid-range jumpers. Yeah, so, I think Scoot could be there too. Yeah, and his, his yeah. mid-range pull-up. And there's a bunch of questions about Scoot in here. We'll kind of ball those up together. Um, I don't think it's going to be about juicing Jeremy's numbers. And I think Jeremy, honestly... I think he'll be here as long as he wants to be here. Like if, if the Blazers and him are happy, there's no reason for them to part. Like there's, yeah. he's not blocking the way for like, unless Tamani all of a sudden is like, Oh no, you, he's, he's a starting four. Right. Which I don't think we're hitting those numbers yet. I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine that either given the production Jeremy had on last year's team, even though it wasn't very good. But to answer the question, I mean, you kind of have to go off what you see, right? Like, there's no evidence of Jeremy being that guy, you know, making it kind of ugly and being a bad teammate. And even when he went to Detroit and he signed for all that money, like, he was kind of the number one, and they weren't a very good team. But, there, I, you know, I, I had a guy from the Detroit Pistons before the Blazers got him because the rumor was they were going to trade for him. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, he's a good dude. He's chill. He just goes out and he plays basketball. And he's been a one. He's been a three. He's been a four. Like, he's... Back here now, he's looked at as one of the top. Like, I don't believe he has that kind of character no. to go, oh, I, the team sucks, so I'm going to shoot more gonna shots and take things. Yeah. yeah, I think he's just a flows guy. And last night, it flowed really well for him, and what he got looks-wise, I think that's how he's going to be throughout the season. If he gets traded, like, that's not going to surprise, I think, anybody. No. But it's more the, to the question itself. I don't think he's going to do anything to up his trade value. His trade value is not going to change. As long as he's healthy. The only thing that changes his trade value is that is if he got injured. Like that's it's the, I don't think it's going right. up. Like, like and that's not to say he can't like people won't pay more for him. It's just he's a they known know who commodity. He is yeah, he's a known commodity. Yeah. Um quick little update on Jeremy. Um guess who got the Dame Locker? Jeremy got the Dame Locker. D- D- Jeremy right. got the Dame Locker. Good uh, for him. So for for those wondering, I'll give you a quick rundown. You walk into the locker room, first locker room on the right, Jeremy's old locker is DA. Mm. Um, at the end of the right-hand row is the uh, Lamarcus locker. That is Anthony. Yep. yep. And then on the far left side is um, Jeremy, the Dame locker. Uh, next to Jeremy is Scoot, which is a good good place for Scoot to be. Um, immediately, first locker on the left is Malcolm, mm. and then everybody else, the uh, all the young guys are on the right wall. Um, between Ant and DA. So you've got uh, Bari, Knox, Wop, and that'll change with some of the other guys that, you know, that don't make the team. Right. Um, and then everybody else on the left. So that's, that's your, that's your, your locker room layout. The corner, the corner lockers are the, always the ones you pay attention to. Those are the big dogs. Yeah. So Jeremy, Ant, DA, Malcolm. Yeah. So your, your vets essentially all got, all got the uh, the corner lockers. So, um, but next question. Uh, this is with Chauncey one. Where did it go? Uh, from at Zach Backpacks. Are there any red flags besides record that could land Chauncey in the hot seat this season? Obviously, our record's going to suck. So, are there other things to keep an eye on him with him this season? You said you had something else you wanted to kind of roll into this. So, what, what was it? Yeah. So, I again i i'm not very good on this i saw you respond to somebody in talking about chauncey and i i'm glad this question got brought up a few of these questions were brought up so my thing is i'm going into the year not with much expectations win loss wise Mm -hmm. 
But I, I have de- I've decided and told myself I'm going into the year and I'm having an opinion on Chauncey Billups at the end. It's not necessarily about wins or losses, obviously, because I don't think his roster is very good and there could be other changes coming down the road. It's more feel. But I refuse to – I just I, – I, You can't I go into year four not knowing? I'm not going into year four and going, I don't know. Like, I – want and have told myself I'm going to feel whether or not I think Chauncey is a good or bad, or maybe it's possible. I just go, Hey, he's middle of the road. I think sometimes he does some things I like. And other times I'm like, what are you doing? Are you doing anything at all? But I want to feel a certain way. And I think a lot of fans kind of deserve this. You can't go into the fourth year of a five-year coaching deal and say, well, just keep giving the coach another year. Like I'm not, I don't think you'll get fired, but it's more so, I, I I guess I sympathize with a lot of fans. Like you want to be able to identify Chauncey as something this year and not say I don't know again. I know what you're talking about. Um, I, my 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 response in that tweet was somebody mad that the Blazers didn't play defense in a preseason game. Oh, that's that's what it was. Yeah, it's kind of spurred like, and I was like, and okay, I was like, Danny's buddy, <laughs> buddy, I'm gonna need you to <laughs> ratchet that down. Number one, it is a very young team. So I was looking. So number one, um, I, I do the thing where, you know, uh, as we get a couple months into the season, I do age by weighted minutes. Okay. You are as old as the guys that you play. Okay. Now, you can't do that when you don't have minutes played. What you can do is you can look at average age. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the youngest average age team is in the NBA? Yeah, it's us. It's the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. So for all of the, but they have Jeremy who's 29 and Malcolm who's 30. And it's like, and then everybody else, (laughs) their average age is 23.9 years. Okay. Children. That is as young as it gets, man. (laughs) That is. That's tough. That's tough. They're going to be bad defensively. And I'm with you on making it like some sort of evaluation on Chauncey. And it has been weird because of all of the scenarios around stuff. But you have to, for me, it's okay. Where are you in October? Then where are you in January? Where are you in March? And what, like, what things have you gone across? The same things that I didn't kill Terry Stotts for, i.e. not having players that were good defensive players, are the same exact things that I'm not going to kill Chauncey Billups for. Like, there's a comment in here that says uh, something about, well, he's had Ant for a couple years, and Ant's still a bad defender. Ant's not a good defender. Greg Popovich isn't turning Ant into a good defender. You know what Chauncey has done? He's empowered Anthony Simons and turned him into one of the best scorers in the league. Is, did, did all of a sudden Ant get worse as a scorer when they went from Terry to Chauncey, or did he get better? He got better. Like Coaches, to me... But but can I, can I interrupt real quick? Mm-hmm. So I guess my natural reaction to that is like, while statistically speaking, you're right, is is it Chauncey or if that's what, Terry's that's, around no, in no, the situation? This is exactly happens, where I was going to go with this. And and still becomes what he is right yes. now to people. And that's exactly where I was going to go to. Coaches can only, to, in my opinion, help enhance who you are. That's it. Yeah. They can't make you something you're not. 
I know people want to say development, development. <sighs> for every Wes Matthews, a guy that added something new to his game every year for basically like seven years, which is unheard of, to have mm-hmm. a guy who couldn't dribble be a guy who could attack closeouts, a guy that couldn't shoot who learned how to shoot, a guy with no post game who the Trailblazers opened a playoff series having him make James Harden his bitch in the post. Like, that doesn't happen. The Giannis evolution of a guy who just was like, I can't really do anything all that well, but maybe? Like, did, did Bud develop and make Giannis? Or the fact that Giannis spent innumerable days in some freaking Marvel you know, super uh, soldier lab right. make that happen. And got bigger. And Hell, I'd, I'd say the Bucks coaching staff screwed him up because they jacked his jumper up. If you go back and look at his early jumper versus his jumper now, it's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? It's broken. Um, that, to me, I, I fall on that line. But to your point about understanding like where Chauncey is and who he is as a coach – Yes, I think you can use a lot of that stuff. The the other stuff, the game planning, the putting guys in their best possible positions, the opportunity costs at certain things. Like, if he sticks Shaden out there as a starter at the three, I, I me personally, I think that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And I know some people are like, well, I just need to get the investment. I'm like, I just don't think you're putting in the best possible position to succeed. Right. I don't think force feeding minutes in a bad spot is useful. And if they do that, I would probably hold that against them. Because I don't think you're, I don't think you're helping Shaden in that. Re- I don't think you're helping any of those three guys in that respect. Yeah. Um, like same thing with like if they, they were just like, you know what? Let's see what we have in Tamani. Let's start him at the three, and you know, run sets for him. Right. But it's that's, that doesn't help him or the other guys. I don't think you're, you're maximizing stuff with guys. And that's, I think that's the thing that I'm going to try to judge Chauncey by the most this season. What are the, what are the situations you are putting guys in and how are you helping them maximize that? Now there's going to be some stuff where like where you got to move things around. Like, because like in true maximization of guys, you're probably not playing Malcolm Brogdon a ton because you're trying to get Shaden Sharp on the floor. You're going to move Shaden probably to put some minutes at the three. There's going to be some give and take in that. It's oh, not, yeah, for it's sure. not black and white at all. For sure. And, and understanding that, that's like the evaluation process for me for Chauncey as a coach. Because here's the thing that I think that matters a ton. It's not the end-all, be-all. Do the guys listen to Chauncey? Do they respect him? And do they try to do the things that he is teaching them? And as of right now, yeah. that is the case. So the only thing you named there, and and God, I feel like this is going to sidetrack it, but I don't want it to. No, no, like, no. I, well, I feel like there's a more nuanced thing just to talk about with this, but like you named something that personally I just don't care about anymore. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's relationships with players. Mm-hmm. I don't want the coach to be hated. I certainly don't want a mutiny. I don't want players to be like we've eh, seen that before. That. I know I have. So I, I'm acknowledging that it's a real, it's a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. I'm also like, I've seen two of the worst Blazer teams we've seen in a long time in back-to-back years, and people are like always asking me, "Hey, what do you think about Chauncey?" And I'm mm-hmm. largely like, "Hey, hey these there's teams a lot suck. of big hands being like, ah." But like, 
Yeah, players like him. How how many? Riddle me this, Batman. How many former NBA players, in general, coach and like the players hate him, or the players largely the reputation is oh he's he's a douchebag or you don't like him. Certainly, guys aged to that point, right? Phil Jackson, sure. I think, aged at the end of the Laker thing and in New York into a curmudgeon old NBA guy who just thought he knew better than everybody else. But like Steve Kerr, you know, even Mark Jackson, like he had his problems. Sure. But like yeah. they, they still beloved. I just, I don't know if that's a quality for me right now no, that I'm fair. like, I'm naming it for Chauncey. Like I, I kind of, I'm going by the feel of it. And no, it's players, entirely fair. Players rant and rave about Chauncey all the time. And, I, I'm glad yeah, Jason, they like Kidd, him. Jason Kidd's a good one. Jason, yeah, Jason Kidd's a fair one. That's that's a fair one. But like you, you know what I'm saying though is the other ones that usually do it end up becoming liked because they understand the grind and how to kind of, uh, you know, feel, put themselves in the players' shoes. I guess in certain moments. Sure. Uh, there's a couple in the chat: Steve Nash, Luke Walton. I mean, yeah, there's. I mean, Steve, I'm not I'm not blaming Steve Nash for jack shit, dude. That was one of the worst situations of all time. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, yeah. There's zero uh, response from me there. <laughs> Look, I will say this, uh, R.E. Chauncey. I don't think he's done anything to, to suggest that he's a good or great coach. But I would say I wouldn't say that he's done anything that makes me feel that he's a bad coach. If that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I don't look at him and go, he's the worst coach I've ever seen. I think he's still learning. Um, what's been interesting is from year one to till now, um, he's gotten smarter about how he talks to media, and I don't like it. <laughs> he's he's gotten really good at saying a lot of nothing oh, without yeah. saying anything. And yep. year one, he was like, "We're too goddamn small." Like yeah. you know, he's, he's just throwing, honest, just throwing guys under the bus, and I'm like, "Yes, yes, good, good. Give me the good stuff." <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Um, but he's also, I think, been very forthright this year in talking about how it is going to be a difficult season and how it is and like going to be a different um, feeling and, and understanding. Uh, um, somebody in the comments says, but how many players as coaches have real success? I'd argue Phil Jackson was a player's coach. Yes, I believe at one point Phil Jackson was one of the best player's coaches. Yes. I just think, again, at the, at the end, Old curmudgeony guy who's won so much mm-hmm. that you're never going to. And tell in him today's that. NBA, you can't yeah. be a giant a hole because no. they'll, they'll run you out of town. See, Steve. Uh, well, I mean, Steve Nash wasn't an a hole, but like, if they anything about you, they will be like, "Yep, you're out." Steve Kerr, players' coach. Yes, hundred percent. Hundred. Spolstra's probably the only one besides. Um, Pop who gets away with chewing people the f out regularly, but he also has the rings to go with it. So um, Nick Nurse got run out of town after winning a title because they got tired of him just grading on them. Yeah, great coach, Darvin Ham, players coach, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Malone, mostly players coach, very liked, very well liked in that locker room. Griffin uh, in Milwaukee is supposed to be one of these players' coaches yep. that everybody respects and likes 100%. a lot. Uh, yeah. Quinn Snyder, um, player-y coach, but also uh, wild hard-ass. Yeah. Um, Will Hardy, players' coach in Utah, and he is a coach-coach. Um, yeah. Missoula, players' coach. 
Mike Brown. Mike Brown is the players coach right yeah. now. The Mike Brown is all vibes, baby. Um, I would argue most coaches in the NBA right now are players coaches. Yeah, because if you're not, it's, you're going to get ran the hell out. Yeah, like it it it, it matters. Yeah. Um, so from to to your point of like, you do kind of have to have they do kind of have to mess with you a little bit, you know? Yeah, no, um, I'm not mad that players like him. I'm just saying, like, for me... Sure, 100%. I'd imagine he was going to be able to be a player's coach. So, like, that's not a surprise or intel for me that I'm like, whoa, I couldn't have guessed that, you know? Uh, bah, 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 bah. Somebody says, same issues that have plagued this roster for a decade, small guards, there has to be a move to fix this, or Joe is going down the Neil path. I don't know if that's necessarily a question as much as a statement, so roster building, there's somebody that's saying they're concerned that they're going down the Neil path. Yeah, I guess the Scoot Ant world. Um, well, Danny, that's where the like that's what we're talking about though in the beginning, right? Is the patience. And so, well, I'm one of those. If you're going to trade Ant, you know, you can get a haul back. All this stuff. I don't know what they're going to do ultimately, but this is something I was talking with somebody who covers the league uh, a couple weeks back, and we were talking about the the Blazers, obviously, and. Said, like, what's your read on Ant? And they were like, he's going to get buckets. You're not going to win games. Let him be there for a year. See where you're at in the summer. And if you need to make a move, you make a move. And if not, you see what you can do in other areas going into next year. Like, they were really throwing around the idea that this could be another two years because he's still in a contract. He's still really young. And obviously, we know with this organization, they value their own when they draft him. When they, when they really pick a player – and they can see development happening, they value it. There, There is a metric there with this organization, and I think you can look to the last backcourt and say, Dame, no-brainer. CJ, very good player. Mm-hmm. They had enough success for themselves that they were like, we don't, we're not trading him. So I think the organization's kind of naturally built to like a little bit of their own uh, scouting and brand. Uh, as, I, I know, think that's true of every team. Um, sure. And as it pertains to Ant, and you've you've already seen this in the first couple preseason games, entire defense has been towards Ant, and it just it makes stuff so much easier for everyone else. You don't want to be the Detroit Pistons, real quick. Other than Bojan Bogdanovich, name a shooter on the Pistons. I was going to name the kid that they drafted two years ago, but they traded him already. <laughs> There's one other guy who's a good shooter on that team. And it's Alec Burks. Oh, okay. That I mean, that's that's it. Like yeah. you just. Well, that team sucks. Yes, but they have a bunch of young, promising athletes. Like you've got Cade, and you've got Ivy, and you've got Asar Thompson, and you've got Beef Stew, and you've got Jalen Duran. Like you've got all like, and you're like, can anybody on this team shoot? And, like, yeah, but those are good. Those are names that sound good on paper, but like availability and you know being so sure, young but like they're, uh, they're a good team like who's bending that defense who's making it easier for everyone else that's the Bo-Yan only thing there is Kane, right well it's, i mean uh, but i mean as, as a shooter it's Boyan. sure sure in that regard yeah but i think that's why they're keeping Kane. him around like yeah. they could go get two first round picks for Boyan. he's that good like it doesn't even matter his age he's he's a dude He's ma- he's there to make it easier on the kids. So I, I want to add, because you, you mentioned like a lot of teams do that, and you're not wrong, but I think where Portland's different from other teams, and I, it was either you or it was Sean, I want to say, that mm-hmm. asked this question of Joe in the press conference on Media Day. Mm-hmm. My hang-up is 
What if Ant gives the numbers we both think he can give? That's a pretty good season. No matter what the win-loss is, that's a really good season. What's the incentive? Or like, I'm more like looking at the other side. Why am I trading him? What am I trading him for? Yeah. And then like, this is where I think the organization is not like every... Are they really willing to make the trade or move that makes fans and even them a little bit uncomfortable knowing it's going to garner them something massive in return? And it always seems like a no-brainer, yes, but they just went through a version of themselves where they wouldn't do it. It was like, yo, this three is available at the price of a young guard. Uh, No. Everybody else available, though. Well, we don't want anybody else. Yeah. So it's like more when push comes to shove, the chips in the middle thing comes back to Joe of will they be willing to do it? And that's where I'm not so concerned or, or convinced organizationally yet. They said, yes, they would, but we have to wait and see on that. Um, this is the first person I've seen post this. And there's somebody I've talked to and I will remain nameless um, that has also uh, run this by me more than a few times. Am I crazy to want Scoot to play with the second unit and have Ant, Shea, Tease on the first? And my answer to that is no, you're not crazy. No, that's, I mean, I, I think you make a real argument it's what they should be doing, but. I, I understand the development, Scoot's the number three overall pick, all that stuff. I think if you wanted to put Scoot in the best possible positions to succeed, I think you could argue him coming off the bench would be it. The problem is they also have Malcolm. Yeah. So unless you were okay with basically your second unit being a little bit undersized, which is fine. In second units, that's where actually where you can get away with being undersized pretty easily, which is why I don't have an issue with Shea kind of playing three against second units. It would be interesting because because number one, I think you maximize Ant and the way to, to, to build – your offense and make things easier for everybody else as a one. I think Shaden is unquestionably a two. Mm -hmm. And I think you could actually play scoot 30 minutes a night off the bench because you could vacillate between ant and uh, scoot at the one and two. It does set a pretty unnormal, uh, unusual precedent of having your number three overall pick come off the bench. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's the it's the viewpoint of like cuz I don't I I don't think the Blazers are looking to force this to be Scoot's team right away. From my discussions with people, I, I I the feeling that I get is they want Scoot to earn every last bit of this. Sure. I think you can make a I don't want to say a great argument, but I think you can make a compelling argument. That hit that scoot coming off the bench makes the most sense. Well, but okay, so but this goes back to a conversation in the summer of like why that wasn't talked about more because I've always kind of been wondering this too. Like you're, you're you're starting two point guards. You can look at it and you can say whatever you want. They're two point guards. I, I've seen them both in action, and I know it's a small sample size. Ant's really good with the ball in his hands, mm -hmm. as you noted on the last pod. I think scoot his entire life the ball has been in his hands, and now you're like, hey, run to the side of the guy with the ball in his hands and, and we'll figure this out. I, I thought it was a fair question in the summer. And also, by the way, Shaden's in what year two now he's 20, 21, 20. Okay. He's 20 years old. He, his natural position is the two. I don't think it should be something that we should take lightly of, 
oh yeah, just let him play 26 minutes and he's coming off the bench and yada, yada, yada. Like I, this is a big development thing. And this is where I think fundamentally fans and media and everybody alike mm-hmm. are going to agree and disagree on certain things is how are they building this out? Are they building this out the best way possible? Or are you kind of backlogged on certain positions and like fit? And that's kind of what I'm fascinated to watch throughout mm-hmm. the year is how this starts out and then where is it at at a midway point and then by the end of the season. Yeah, no, I think it is interesting. And again, I'm not advocating for Scoot to come off the bench. I just think you can make an actual, like I've had this conversation with with other NBA folks who like, you know, if you really wanted to give him the best runway to succeed, have him get comfortable against second units. And I was like, okay, I get what you're coming from. And there's somebody in the chat saying Scoot was 17 in G League, youngest in history. And okay, cool. He, He was in the G League and playing against like, fringe NBA guys and some college guys like he, he didn't go blow up the G League no was he didn't seven, 17 and 6 I think is what it was uh, after go look at his numbers after the Victor game which kind of put him at the forefront he yeah. he did not produce the way they thought they, he was going to no and and then again this is not I'm not downplaying Scoot in fact that's where we're going to go next is kind of talk about Scoot and how he's looked these last couple games is I think it's the best possible thing for him is to get reps best where he can succeed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying put training wheels on him. Ramp a guy up. Ramp a guy up. I don't think there's any issue with that at all. Um, it becomes a, a not an earn it thing. I, I don't I don't necessarily think that. But I think that the, the leadership part of it and the experimental part of it, you can start trying stuff in there, I think it's a little bit easier to understand. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think I, I don't think I'm necessarily advocating. I'm not necessarily. I'm not advocating for it. I just think you you can make a compelling argument for at least going down that path. I I think you know this is easier said than done. Like he seems such a, like a, a mature individual. Oh God, yes. Well, okay, so that's kind of a benefit to this conversation. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be good. I, I'm I, again. I people disagree with it, and that's okay. I just I don't think they're going to be good. And if you and your heart of hearts kind of know what you are, you're going to be. Who cares? Who cares if the media wants to randomly say you have a scoop coming off the bench? Like, I don't think people are going to talk about this team. To be honest with no. you, I think Scoot once in a while will do some things, and no. or Ant will go off in a game and drop fifty, or Shaden will dunk on somebody. But like. We have what one national game, and it's the Dame game, and that's all. No, about. that's it's... getting and that's getting flexed out. The Mi- it's getting flexed oh, out. Well, with Miami. The Miami game's gonna get flexed out, but yeah, they'll pick up the Milwaukee game. They'll put. Milwaukee I think Milwaukee has the most national TV games now, as they should. They're yeah. maybe the best team in the league. So it's like, I don't think any of this matters. Of you know, it's unprecedented, and uh, what are people gonna say? Like he's 19 years old. If the fit is better off the bench, and I know they're not gonna do that right now, but if the fit is better. Say, yo, get the ball from Ant, go in there and run stuff. Let's see what you're doing. I, I don't think there's any negative to it personally, but I also am not around him day to day. And so I don't think it can be covered enough for it to be a big problem. So for from from my point of view, just talking to Scoot, there is this very, very, very interesting contrast uh with him as a human, is in that I don't I've never come across a 19-year-old that is more ready for this. But also at the same time, he's so 19. Yeah. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? No, I know exactly what you mean. Yes. So his first post-game availability, he, we're in the locker room, and he's getting dressed. And I can see him kind of smiling, like, oh, man, I'm ready for this. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. you know, got his headphones around his neck, got his jacket right. and That'll look good. You, see, I mean, you, you can just see. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you, all right. And he kind of does this. It's like Glenn Quagmire, like giggity, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he had that going, and you could tell he was just he's just amped, right? And uh, kind of kind of fidgety. And I'm just sitting there, just smiling, like, oh man, this kid's this kid's great, dude. Like he just he that's just how that that's who he is at at his core. He's just he's a very he's a happy dude. Yeah, and um, I'm, he looks at me, and I'm like, you good? He's like, yeah. I'm like, it's up to you, man. You want to sit? You want to stand? What do you think? He's like. My legs are kind of tired. I like to sit. He sits in the chair. Dame, Dame did a lot of his interviews in the chair. Dame used to just kind of like lean. Oh, back, yeah. Super comfortable. Scoots yep. like on the edge of his chair and kind of leaning forward. All right. He's like, I'm going to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the horde can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yep. whoa, what's going on It takes some getting used to. You got a lot of phones yeah. and cameras and mics in your face. And yep. um, I think the chair is a vet move. Like you're, you're comfortable in your own skin. You can kind of lean back and. But, Controversial move. Most players, they just want to stand because they can kind of control. It feels like the situation because they're taller than almost everybody yep. every time. So there's, a bunch of like, there's, hey. there, there is a sense of that. Like you're, yeah. you're. That's what I'm saying. If you're a vet and you've done it, you can just kind of lean back because you're super comfortable in your own skin, all that kind of stuff. And that's. I think, I think it's, it's easier to stand next to Jason Quick and go, uh, "I'm not going to talk about that." As you look down two feet, whereas Quick Side Eye, Quick Side. You sure you don't want to talk about yeah, exactly. it? Exactly. Uh-huh. Maybe I do. But um, it was great. And, you know, then he gets into the interview and he was very confident. You know, very, you guys are get to know, feel just kind of like Scooch demeanor in general. But he was incredibly well prepared while also like just being 19. You yeah. Just, in every one of his answers was like, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, how have you? We've really, we've gotten basically an hour, and not really talked about scoop. We've talked around scoop. Um, somebody's saying it's two games into the season is enough time to bench him. Give the kid. Nobody's benching Scoot. I, I was saying as 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 a, as a thought process, I can understand where somebody would come from saying bringing him off the bench is okay. Chill, chill. Um, <clears throat> what has been your? assessment i guess of of scoot through through three games uh how confident he seems to be about being in control with the ball mm-hmm. now it doesn't necessarily always equal uh a perfect decision right there's, been, six, some, there's been some some shaky turnovers there have well, he had can't six, do that in the nba no but i like that he learned from the last game and last night didn't have as many of those mistakes uh despite not being able to shoot the ball well i thought he was effective the other thing that stands out to me is just wanting to kind of feed the guys, man. Like having a point guard. Yes. And again, this isn't a slight. These are just the observations of difference. Mm-hmm. Where Dame and Weber was nothing but a score. Mm-hmm. So Dame comes into a really ready-made situation and, yeah, has to play kind of second, third fiddle in a lot of moments, but gets such good experience at a young age. And then all the, the whole thing crumbles apart. And they're like, yo, we just need you to go out there and get yours. And he knows how to do that. That's in his DNA. Mm-hmm. I think watching him in Milwaukee will be fascinating because there'll be many nights, Danny, where he ain't going to be asked to do what he did in Portland. He's going to average probably like twenty-two and nine. Like he's, it, yeah, it, it, his game is in, in 
the thing about this is Dame is a natural creator, but this team didn't need him to be a creator. They needed him to no. drop 29 a night. Exactly. And so you get used to that. And I think with Scoot coming in, you already have an ant here. You got a Shaden, you got a Jeremy, you got Malcolm and DA now. Like he's kind of naturally. Yeah. Looking at this going, well, how can I set him up? Right. I'm not going to take shots away and, yep. and cause conflict and chaos. How can I set guys up? And so it's more of a, an outward confidence. You can see when he's dribbling the ball, his judgment is, is something that's interesting, not in the turnover department, but the judgment of, like he had a moment last night where he drove and KC and Lamar were both like, oh, and he ended up missing the shot. But it was like those moments are like, I'm going to be physical and take this. I think just seeing his confidence with the ball and his ability to naturally set up guys popping off early and learning from some mistakes. It's preseason, but to go he's, from he's six to what he did. All season. And that's that's what this should be for. I know. Um Somebody said Scoot tends to get better in the second half, which has been nice. That's because he's playing against worse players. <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> that's, are the second and that's, third that's why he's playing against the third and fourth string guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, I saw somebody say, like, Scoot was shot 8 of 14 in the in his game against the Suns. And it's like, yeah, he was playing against the 15th through 20th guys from the Suns. There's a big difference between that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from Scoot. That's a level up from the G League. Two levels, three levels up from the G League. But six turnovers is too many, though. You yeah. know, like that's what you hold on to. Yeah, so 100%. There was stuff that he was trying that guys like KD, Nurk, Book, guys who were active in the passing lanes, the Seer, you're just not going to get away with. Um, yeah. The Scoot stuff for me is number one. Multiple people in the organization have told me in no uncertain terms that he, the kid would much rather pass than shoot. That is, that is how he is wired. A Richmond, a pass first point guard, huh? Yes. Um, I, I like that. I do. I do want to get the cattle prod out every now and then give him a little zap. Like need you to shoot. Sure. Like that. Keep that going. We don't, I don't want, I don't want the guy who defers all the time. You cannot be an elite point guard in this NBA and be a, um, uh, a defer point guard. Okay, mm-hmm. and, I, and I haven't seen anything yet that has made me think otherwise. Um, his f- interior finishing needs work. His and we've we've already talked about this. A lot. I've talked about this during the watch party and on Twitter. The pull up jumper from three is. You're really on the mechanics with him. Yeah, it is a work in progress. His catch and shoot three, I wouldn't touch it. I went, we went to, into the film watch today, and it is just mwah, perfect. Yeah. Love his catch and shoot. Love it. Um, he has made some passes that I go, ooh, I like that. Right-handed, left-handed. Uh, his ability to spray the ball when he gets into the paint all over the floor, either opposite corner, same side, back where he came from, Rondoing, keeping the dribble alive. And, and he had, he had that one to Jabari through two defenders right at the rim. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. Um, his interior passing um, is a better, I don't want to continue to compare him to Dame. So, but like it's, it's the easy callback. He, he is better at that than Dame as a natural creator. Like his his ability to get in and into the paint and spray, mm-hmm. like where Dame's the more natural scorer, Scoot is the more natural creator with like getting Dame, in the paint. Passing wasn't the best thing that Dame was. You know what I mean? Like he was okay, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, um, 
I've liked what I've seen. I like his. I really like his in between game, the floaters, the 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 mid range yeah. pull ups. Like there's there's a lot of stuff to work with there. Um, that feels. It looks like it's more familiar for him too when you yes. watch it. He's play out he's that trying way. to like he's trying to find his off the dribble jumper outside yeah. of outside of like eighteen feet. Yeah. Um, that's going to be an interesting spot. Uh, Daniel uh, Danny Kasturian asks, does Scoot have a legit shot at rookie of the year? And the answer is no. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have watched Victor Wembanyama. He has a 0% shot. <laughs> oh, I think Wimby's awesome. He's clearly the big favorite. I actually think I'm going to place a bet on another player to win Rookie of the Year, though. Chet. Chet. Because yeah. I think Oklahoma City is going to be a top-five team in the yeah. West. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I Chet's going to get a lot of that credit defensively. So. Um, Wimby, and I don't, care, I don't care if it was against the Heat's 15th man. Did you see Thomas Bryant? Yeah. Thomas Bryant went, oh, my God. Thomas Bryant, Paul pierced himself on the floor right there. That is a – he looked over at the bench and his coach like, you're not mad at me right now, right? Like, you you saw that shit, right? I, I'm not crazy. That man jumped over me from outside the restricted area and punched it. Danny, somebody I, – I forget who it was, but somebody on Twitter said they – Somebody finally did it, and it was comparing the shot of Jordan against the Monstars stretching his arm, <laughs> and it had Wimby over Thomas Bryant. And I, I shit you not, I went, oh my god, it looks almost the exact same. It's crazy, buddy. He has got an eight foot wingspan. <laughs> He's gonna have how many dunks where he doesn't jump? He just like finishes quickly. It's gonna be like, what are we doing right here? I, I look. And this is not, and again, when I when I say Scoot has zero chance, I like it's it's mostly tongue in cheek, but like Scoot has some chance, but yeah. Uh, look, I do not want to take the fun out of Scoot Henderson because he's been fun and he's been good. Like he's he's showing that he's a pro right out of the gate. He is not LeBron James special. He's not Tim Duncan special. He's special. But he is not, oh my God, special, like Victor Weminyama is. A generational, transcendent talent that will go down in the annals of NBA history as one of the greatest to ever play the game type stuff. Mm -hmm. Wemby has that potential if he can stay healthy. The stuff that he can do is just, we've quite literally never seen it before. Yeah, I... I agree 100% with you. I think you throw a million other players too. Like it's not a knock on Scoot. I no, think Scoot, but but it's not a knock to not be one of the five greatest players we've ever seen in the game. Right. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like that's that, that's all I'm saying is like Wemby has the profile of being a guy that could quite literally end up being one of the best yeah. players we've ever seen play the game. I think it's just like if you could go through the history of the draft and you talk about prospects and how people view them. Like, and I think people have obviously a very positive thing on Scoot. There's just another level, I think, of player in the draft coming in the league mm -hmm. that people would put in. I, I'll say this. He gets comps to guys like this, and, and we'll have to wait to see how the 82 play out. But if you're just going off numbers, like something you're kind of looking for here is a, I'm almost wondering, can he have a Westbrook-like year? Like Westbrook and OKC is rookie year. 15 points might be a bit high for Scoot. He mm -hmm. shot 13 times in OKC. But he gave you 15, 5, and, and basically 5 with rebounds. I don't know about the rebounding part, but I'm just saying. Like, I think Scoot's actually impact. a plus rebounder, particularly for his size. 
Okay, so can you can you get close to that kind of stat line or a Westbrook okay. rookie year? Now, now here's here's the thing about this. So what, what did Scoot finish yeah. with last night? He had one rebound. One rebound, right? He was seventeen and eight, um, six of seventeen. He's two. Yeah. He, even if you take his threes out, he was four of ten. Um, that's because he he need he needed to figure out what Walker Kessler is about that life. <laughs> Walker me, oh, Walker Kessler is a, is a tough dude to learn how to finish yeah. over. Percentages are vital in a in a math database driven league. It's yeah. it's vital, okay. But I don't know how strongly fans or the team or media members like yourself who value you know the analytics, how much the percentages will matter for rookie year number one for him. It will when you're talking about awards and stuff like that because like Brent, no, I'm you, talking about you, just in general our takeaway. Oh, the, right? the efficiency is going to matter to me. It is because like that that Westbrook year. Do you have that up right now? I have it right now. I'm looking okay. at you. He had 41% from the field. He's 27% from three. <laughs> Just a train wreck of efficiency. But 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 yeah, it, it statistically looking at it, it's terrible. There, yeah. There's no argument against it. But I also remember watching it that year, and I was like, oh man. Look, there's things that was actually might be- no, like there was stuff there, but like here here's the thing. Like they they had they were they didn't have another guy like an ant, right? Who was like, I, "I'm going to run the offense." Well, it was KD at yeah. that point. It was well, KD. And, and if you look, but if you look at KD, KD only averaged like 16 a game then. I have to. I, it was 16 I, or 17 because that's KD's second year, right? Yeah, it was second year, first year in uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, so I, if I remember right, he averaged like 17 a game his second year. It might have yeah. been. It might have been year two that he spiked. It's year two or year three. He goes. Broop. So it's year two for him, and that was the year that he had, he had Russ. He had mm-hmm. twenty five six. Okay, so it was year two that he spiked. So, yeah, he shot year, 42% year one. Three year year one, he was like sixteen a game, right? Twenty. Was he twenty in his rookie year? He was 20, Jesus, yeah. man! I remember there being a big jump in, in year two. Or he year was three. fun, man. He was fun to watch on that shitty ass Sonic that team. Sonic team. Yeah, because they still had Richard then too, right? Yeah. Um. But you know what? I'll say this. I think Scoot's going to be 14 and seven because okay. your pecking order of shots is Ant. He's going to get the Dame shots. Mm-hmm. 22 a game. Jeremy DA. You can flip those. However you want to. Shay might get more shots than Scoot. Yeah. I won't be surprised by any of that. And then Malcolm. Or actually, oh. actually, Malcolm, then Shea, then Scoot. As total field goals, I think Scoot's going to end up being like sixth on the team. I do think there's an outside shot. He gets to that 15 points marker, depending on what happens after a certain deadline. Sure. And seeing kind of what happens with the team in that mm-hmm. sense. But if we're just like going off gut, I'll just one, I'll go one down below you. I'll say it's 13 and change. Like you might even round up to this 13 and change and maybe six and a half assists per game. Like something where we go, mm-hmm. we can see it and he'll have a couple really good nights and he'll have some real stinkers. Yep. But yep. if he's somewhere between you and me or, or at one of those, like, I don't know if I'm going to be disappointed. I, I think I just be like, I'm, okay, I'm more of like comfortable with him having like passing that five assist threshold relatively easy than I am yeah, at 15, too. a game threshold. And sure. it's not so much with him scoring just, I think with his efficiency and his, pass first kind of demeanor. I think that Ant could put up special scoring numbers. I think they're going to really, really prioritize DA. 
Like if you're if you're telling me Ant's gonna get you twenty five and DA's gonna get you twenty and Jeremy's gonna get you eighteen and Brogdon's gonna get you fifteen and Shea's gonna get you seventeen. Or let's just say Shea gets you fifteen. I was like, Shea getting seventeen would be a damn good se- okay, season. But like so now. you've got fifteen, fifteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many more shots are available? Yeah, no, that's yeah, you play that game for sure. And that's the thing, it's like and so everyone's like, he's going to average like 20 and seven. I'm like, that would be the upset of the century. If he did, number one, it would mean uh, he's way ahead of schedule. Two, he's wildly efficient. Which I would also say three injuries are playing a massive part. He's having to backpack a lot of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, it's fine. But um, if we didn't get to your questions, we kind of like bundled a bunch of them together in there. And then a bunch of you were just like, just tell me Tamani's good. <laughs> Tamani's good. Tamani is good. He's going to be fun. Um, somebody asked if we have some guests coming up. Yes, we should have the kids on the pod here relatively soon. Um, that is that is the goal. So um, hopefully we'll have some of those guys. And then um, I will be uh, doing stuff with the, the remix guys throughout the season. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to kind of like check in with Baji and Ryan and, and everything along those lines. So um, I think that's about it. You good? Well, did, did Brandon just freeze? I think Brandon froze. It's a good time to end it. <laughs> Could not be a better time for this. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Appreciate you guys. Like, rate, view, subscribe, help us grow the show. Just frozen on him on resting bitch face. That's so fantastic. Um, <laughs> find us on social media at Danny Marang, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Dramsey. Email the show, jackframseys at gmail.com. Have a wonderful, wonderful night. Uh, we'll catch you guys tomorrow for the watch party uh, against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. Uh, other than that, talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Have a wonderful night. Talk soon. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.